were everywhere. And so these people were always around those type of activities, kind of like us being in the world now, but not of the world. And so sometimes, based upon us being in the world and not of the world, based upon our level of spiritual growth, we may interact with the world in different ways. A person who may consider themselves a little bit more mature may interact with the world in one way, and a person who may be a little less mature um, may interact in an entirely different manner. Neither one of them may be wrong, especially if the Holy Spirit is leading them in that, but the problem comes in sometimes when something is not clearly defined as sinful, but now it can come down to my moral conscience versus major moral compass. Okay, and, and, and if my moral conscience and compass is telling me this, then even though it may not be sinful, then I should not do it. But I should not try to force Major not to do it if his compass is not telling him that and if, and if it's not sinful. And then, but now at the same time, if Major is going to interact with me and he know where I am because he loved me, he should not put me in that position where my conscience is going to be vexed by being with Major. Okay? And I think that's the lesson we're going to get tonight. I'm kind of ending at the beginning to say this. And let's just talk about something as simple as, in our culture today, movies. How many of you still go to the movies? Okay. Go to movies? Okay. Now, TV, well, some of the stuff on TV is like in the movies. So, so now... Where are you at when it comes to going to movies? Do you say, hey, I don't, I'm not going to a movie that got any sex and violence in it and cursing? Or do you try to say, okay, I'm mature enough now where I can go to those type of movies and, and believe they won't have any adverse impact on me? And I guarantee you that in here, we probably will pick and choose the movies we go to based upon where we are. However, now, get this. If Major was to say, well, man, I ain't going to that movie because it's an R-rated movie, they're cursing in it, you know, and, and they got sex scenes in it, so I ain't going. But Pastor Bolden said, well, hey, you know, it's about life. I mean, people get shot on the street every day, reading in the newspaper. So it's about life, so I'm going to go. Now, we may disagree, so when I, if I'm determined to go, I'm not going to invite Major. I'm not going to Put him in a position where he got, man, pastor invited me to the movie, you know, or vice versa. Major may, major may invited me to the movie. You see what I'm saying? And so now, when things like that come about, the more mature person got to understand love got to override your personal preference sometimes. And so when a person say they got a problem with movies, then if I'm trying to win that discussion with them, I would say, Go to the Bible and read David's R-rated movie with Bathsheba. I mean, if you, if you really got a problem with sex scenes, you really can't read David's story. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so there are a lot of things in the Bible that we read and don't realize that if we was to put it in a movie, it will be R-rated. Some of the violence in the Bible, you know, a lot of people got killed in the Bible. Violence is violence. Is it good violence because they got killed in the Bible or they got killed in Harlem? Now, 
your answer to that is going to be based upon where you are spiritually. And if Fred is over in that corner, that man, I ain't going to see Jane go. Ain't going. Too much violence in it. And then Major decide, well, hey, man, blood is blood, man. I done been to Vietnam. I done seen real life. So that movie ain't going to have no impact on me. But now, if Fred feel that strongly about it, and Major and Fred is tight, then Major probably shouldn't take Fred with him when he go to the movie. Because it could be a stumbling block because he don't know what Fred has been through. So there are a lot of things that people, when they get saved, they come out of situations that if they get back into that environment, it may cause them to fall back into it again. So the end story in all this is that, hey, whatever you decide to do, at the end of the day, you don't want to be a stumbling block for your brother or your sister, even though you have freedom in that particular area. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Making sense so far? Okay, I see Brother Fred Hand and, and then Lisa. You, you know, Pastor, uh, I used to go to some movies that didn't bother me. I mean, they weren't x-rated or nothing like that. But you get there, then you should go to looking around and see who see me here. Who, what other Christians, you know, it's, it's, that sees me here. So I, I think you still have a guilty conscience of not wanting somebody else to know you to see you in that movie. And my answer to you then would be that if your conscience is going to bother you because Major walk up on you in the movie, then you probably shouldn't even be in the movie. <laughs> Amen. You should, because your conscience is already, it's, just, it's convicting you. And so therefore, now you got to go to the movie and looking around like this, that's a good sign that you shouldn't be in there. But now, all of a sudden, on your way out, because your conscience will hit you, you see Major walking in, and you're going to say, man, you shouldn't be in there, Major. But Major, no, man, I, it ain't going to have that kind of impact on me. And so this area was causing problems in the church because, again, there were so many idol gods, so many things. And what happened was is that when they had these sacrifices, religious experiences, sacrifice, whatever, some of the meat ended up back in the community. Meaning that some of the meat that was brought, a third of it, was for the altar. It was for the sacrifice. Okay? A another third of it went to the priest. And then the other third belonged to Major because it was his cow. So now when Major take the meat home and eat it, then that, in his mind, ain't nothing wrong with that. But now what happens is, because Major is a, a heathen right now, but Fred is his saved friend. And so when Fred come over to dinner and he know that Major brought that cow steak back from the worship service. So Fred can either say, hey man, your worship service ain't even real. That God you just sacrificed to, he don't even exist. So in my mind, this meat is amoral. It's neither good or bad. I'm going to bless it and eat it. But now another Christian may come in and say, hey, man, I really get hung up on that thing. And now guess what? If Major invited me over knowing that, 
then we ought to eat vegetables tonight. Not for his sake, but for my sake. And so what was happening is when these truths were revealed and these people were growing spiritually, some of them got that revelation that, hey, an idol is an idol is an idol. It ain't real. So therefore, that, that sacrifice, don't even, as far as I'm concerned, don't even exist. Because that God don't even exist. But then there are some people who think, man, I came out of that. I really believe that. So that's what a dilemma is. That's what this chapter is all about. Because you got some who say, man, I, I, anybody here from New Orleans? Been in New Orleans? Well, it, you know, they, and, and you know, a lot of time over parts of New Orleans, they still practice voodoo. Right. Uh, people come, voodoo rituals. So now guess what? If Major is a strong Christian, he say, man, ain't no voodoo spell going to have no impact on me because I believe God is greater. And so therefore, when I go to New Orleans, I'm going to just go there, and, just like I go to any other city, believe that the Holy Spirit is with me, and I ain't even worried about no voodoo God. But now somebody else who may have been coming out of that may say, man, because Major can go over there, but in my mind, I, I still think that little dog with the pen is going to work. So Major got to say, okay, well, you going with me for your sake. We ain't going to New Orleans this weekend. We're going to Dallas. We're still going to get together and go somewhere. But now that I know how you feel about that, I'm not going to put you back in that environment if it's going to lead you to sin or feel like you're sinning. Does this all make sense? I'm trying to kind of give you this before we start reading because you got to understand that backstory and that backdrop because near now you'll see what Paul is trying to get them to see. And in a minute, we're going to take a look at some of these gods, and I'm going to ask you another question. So in chapter 8, verse 1, he says, now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we have all knowledge about this issue. He's going to tell us what that knowledge is in a few minutes. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. In other words, you're going to tell us in a minute, I got a knowledge when it comes to the true God, the only living God, versus an idol. And based upon my level of knowledge, an idol ain't even real. Don't even exist in my mind. And so, therefore, with that level of knowledge, then I can start to get prideful and think that, hey, man, look here, maybe just that little weak Christian over there. He, he, every time I look around, he's scared something's going to happen to him. But I got this knowledge. And what he's trying to get them to see, sometimes knowledge can puff us up and lead us to a state of being prideful and arrogant because of what we know. And we forget about our brothers and sisters who have not had their minds transformed. Because all of this comes down to you being able to transform your mind from what you were taught before you got saved to now accepting the truth of God's word. How many of you before you got saved believed in superstition? You know, people told you about rabbit's feet. You know, you heard that, you know, you, you get your rabbit's feet, you had all the keychain and all that. You, you kind of believe that. You know, they told us coming up, and I said this before, splitting poles. And, and you know, not being a heathen, you hear somebody say, man, you don't split a pole, that bad luck. So now you see that, and all of a sudden now you're going to turn around and go back 
but now that I got knowledge, man, God ain't in no pole like that. I mean, come on, man, God ain't gonna put no bad luck on me because we done split this pole. But before that, I went back around the pole. We, 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 we thought that if you swept somebody's feet with the broom, we had to spit on the broom. Where'd that come from? I mean, what, where did that come from? Somebody told us those things, and because we saw reputable people doing it, we come to God thinking, man, I just, I just got my foot swept by the broom, man, so now I got to spit on your broom. What? And, and now you got to say, wait a minute. Man, God is bigger than a broom. God would not sit up in heaven and would curse me because my foot got swept by a broom. Some people still today when a picture fall off the wall, they think that somebody gonna die. Superstition, not knowing just a weak nail. I mean, it wasn't that good, but because it, but just weak. And I'm telling you, we come to God with these things. New Year's, we were taught you can't wash clothes. Still don't superstition. Because you was told that if you wash clothes, you're washing your family members out. So all of a sudden, you wash one year, and Big Mama died that same year. Now all of a sudden, you ain't washing them on New Year's. Because in your mind, you ain't going to connect that Big Mama was 89 years old. And had, been, had a heart condition for five years. And probably had nothing to do with you washing. But if you come with that mindset and you, your mind has not been transformed that know God, to know that God is bigger than that, then what happens is when you come across some of that, you will bring that same mindset that believe things that go against what God's word says. And so this was the dilemma that Paul had here with the Corinthians because there was two sides of this argument. He says, now, but we got to understand that love strengthens the church. Love builds the church up, not how much knowledge that we have about God, because we can have knowledge without love, and that's why he's going to tell them later on in the, in the chapter, hey, you can have all that knowledge, and, and you can, you know, prophesy and do all those things, but if you don't have love, you just allow sound and symbol. So his point is that, hey, when it comes to issues like this, sometimes your personal preference based upon your knowledge got to be laid to the side for the benefit of a weaker brother or sister. Even though you know you can do that. And that's the end game that he's trying to get to here. So now he says, now look, anyone who claims to know the answer to, to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. In other words, God uh, uh, approve of those people who really love him more so than how much knowledge they got but how much they love him because if they love him we, we're going to add to our faith Peter tells us we add to our faith knowledge so that's one of the things we do want to get but right after he tells us to add knowledge to our faith he said you got to add self control because you can add the knowledge and then get to the point that you're out of control with what you think you know and you forget that other people don't know exactly what you know and they're not where you are. We're all at different levels in our spiritual walk with the Lord. So now look at this. So right now, Marcus, you got that, the first slide I want to show since we're talking about the gods. I'm going to come back.
to chapter to verse four here in a minute. Okay, y'all can't. Re- I don't know. Can y'all read? Did I read some of them for you? Those right there are some of the. Surely he's going to die. Because God, they looked at it when the waters got stirred up that God was angry. And so therefore, if you end up in a shipwreck, I mean in a ship that's at sea and get wrecked, they may, okay, the God's angry. The God of the sea is mad at you. And that can make sense when you're in the middle of a storm. Instead of saying, man, storms come on the just and unjust. Storms come. That's just part of life. So I'm not going to attribute this storm to the fact that God was mad at me. But if, but if I don't know any better, then I can start believing this. And let me go down to one that we're familiar with, one Apollo. That's about halfway down. That is the God of music, poetry, prophecy, and healing. And it's often depicted in lyrics, which... One of the most famous clubs in America, in New York, is the Apollo Theater. Now that you done read that, it's a good possibility that theater was named after a Greek god. So now knowing that, and you got tickets to go there to see somebody, would you go or would you not? Or would you say, man, that ain't no real god. Would you go? Would you not? You, it, ain't, it may even be a gospel actor there. Because <laughs> the people that have concerts that are not all worldly. So by knowing that now, would that impact you? Or you say, man, I got second thoughts now. Pastor, oh my, that's a Greek God. Well, are you going to stop wearing them Nike shoes? They named not the Greek God So what I'm trying to say is that it was so many gods that you could not live your life in that environment and not come across somebody who was believing in one of these gods. They was all over the place. But what you had to do is be mindful enough that because Major now know, hey, Nike ain't really no god. These just shoes. And they, they're amoral. They ain't good, good or bad. They just Shoes. And I'm going to wear these shoes. I don't care. But someone said, Major, I went, man, I looked up Nike, man. I know you like Nike, man, but don't buy me my gift. For, I want some sneakers, but please don't buy me no Nike because you like Nike. I just, I just don't feel comfortable wearing Nike now that I know where it comes from. So they made you just go buy some Adidas. But you keep wearing your, you ain't finna go throw them away. Now, see, what happens is, is when we get saved, 
we all get saved and we have different response to our salvation. For me, when I first got saved, because I was a music junkie, I mean, I must have had every album that came out, you know, from the time I got in the military in the 70s, all the way through till I got saved to about, you know, 80, really serious, about 83, 84, 85. I, I had every album you could probably think of. But once I got saved, the thing that hit me was that, hey, man, I'm going to cut back on secular music. I ain't, I ain't going that route. So out of my zeal, I didn't have knowledge that all albums ain't bad. But my spirit said, hey, get rid of them. And I look back at that collection, I say, man, if I still had that wax today. But, but the spirit said, get rid of them. And then now I look back and I say, man, some of the lyrics that was in those songs were not bad. They was just good common sense things. But because that's where I was at the time, I obeyed my spirit. And so after I did that, what happened was, now I'm hard on everybody else who still got their album. Because I want everybody to get rid of them album. Follow my lead. Get rid of them, man. You need to get rid of them albums, man. You need. And then once I got to the, grew up a little bit, I said, man, maybe I reacted prematurely. I should have at least weeded some of the good ones out and kept the good ones and the ones that didn't have no cursing in it, no vulgarness in it. I should have just kept them. But at that time, in my zeal, I did just that, got rid of them. And so what I'm trying to tell you, sometimes when this, we come in contact with the Lord and he move on our heart, sometimes we don't always have full knowledge of how God operated and what he's all about. So therefore, we respond based upon our own convictions. And what you can't do is allow your convictions to be a sin to everybody else. So because I had that conviction about music, then now I can't tell everybody else who still listen to music that that is sinful. But at the time, I was probably like these guys about eating the meat. Hey, man, you still got albums, man. You're going to hell. And see, what he says here is that we're always around these influences. Let's look at another one. Uh, Aphrodite, Aphrodite. That's the goddess of love. Love. Filio is brotherly love, friendly love. You know, agape is godly love. You know, storge is that parental love. But eros love is intimacy. Now guess what? I think it's Versace and somebody got a cologne called eros. Now that you know that, would you wear that? Would you, would you, you know, would you go and buy that now that you say, man, that dude got a, because on the bottom they got a little Greek god standing there too. Say, oh, there. I see it in the BX every time I go there. I just sell it for Dolce Gabbana or whatever it's called, you know. I, I, I ain't got the arrows yet, you know. But, but I'm thinking, I'm saying, I wonder, am I not buying the arrows? I like the scent. But do I? 
I said, what you wearing, pastor? Eros. <laughs> if they don't know Greek, it ain't no problem. No, man, it smells good. But if y'all don't been in class now, and that's me, that's say, oh, pastor, went out there and bought some Eros? So, but is it wrong? Because the fragrance is just a fragrance. It could have been named Tulip. But they trying to sell it, so they got to put something on that's going to be appealing to people to buy. And they picked a, a God. And so when you look at this, not only were they that way, but when you look over at the Roman mythology, real quick, I'm just going to show you some of these. Jupiter is, you know, was their big God, the, the, the number one. Juno was uh, the wife of Jupiter. But then when you get down to Ro uh, the Roman gods, you see uh, Minerva, the goddess of wisdom. I hear that term used a lot. Then Venus, Mercury. FTD, and they bring your flowers, the little symbol, a Greek god. So you're going to say, man, I don't want no more flowers. Ain't no more flowers coming to my house. But that little Greek god has something to do with my flower. We'll get here on time. So now what I'm getting you to see is that if your mindset is that there is really no god other than the true and living god, the fact that Apollo is the name of a theater and they name that for God ain't going to have no impact on you. You're going to choose not to go there, not because of the name, maybe because you don't like the actor who's performing in there. I would hope that you would not go there and say, well, I can't go in there because his name on Apollo. But now, if that's where you are, then I'm not to push you to go somewhere where you got an apprehension about going. Even though I may go. And if I was showing you the proper love, if I was going to go, I should not invite you to go with me and come back and flaunt in your face. Boy, I had a good time last night, man. We, we really, they, the play was really, it was, they were, it was really popping off. That was nice. Went back and took me back to the 70s and 80s. It was just a nice set, man. No curse word, just a nice set. But then Major may say, Pastor, I can't believe you went to the Apollo Theater to see the Commodores in review? No, nah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go. But if I got a ticket in New York, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody bought me a ticket. You know, I used to love the Commodores, Earth, Wind, and Fire. It may be hard me the Earth, Wind, the Earth, the Wind, about the elements. So if I went now, and, I, and my spirit don't convict me because I know an A note is an A note, and I know the lyrics of most of that song is good, and I know that if I done read David's story, and I done read Judah's story with Tamar in the Bible, and what they did, earth, wind, and fire ain't nowhere near as bad as that story. Just got to go back and read the story. But if that's your conviction, if that's where God got you, then you got to live in the space that God got you. And then now, if you're in that more mature space, don't hurt your younger brother or sister that's coming up behind you. And if you're that younger brother or sister, 
don't put your older brother or sister on a guilt trip because they got a better understanding that, hey, there's nothing inherently sinful about that. God don't particularly call that sin. Certain things he does. Go ahead, Brother Fred. Yeah, Pastor, but, you know, we shouldn't persuade them, but, but, but if we know the truth, shouldn't we try to tell them the truth about the situation? I mean, you know, since we know the truth, we shouldn't try to persuade them and say, okay, you should go. But, but you know, shouldn't we tell them the truth about the situation? Oh, yeah, I think, I think you, got, you can tell them about the truth about a situation, but if that truth that we're trying to get them to see is not clearly defined as sin, if it's Fred's preference. Now, we ain't talking about, you know, committing adultery. Because we know what God said about that. But there are certain areas in the Bible where God is not clearly saying that this is sinful or this is not. And so another one of those areas that Christians get caught up into is gambling. Yeah, casino, that's right. And, 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 the, and the lotto tickets, scratch-offs. That's gambling, ain't it? Okay, so, so now get this. But there is no scripture in the Bible that clearly say that that is sinful. Because somebody could go to the Bible and show you that, hey, they cast the lots in the Bible. And casting a lot is nothing but a game of chance. So when you go and gamble, you're just taking a game of chance. However, if God has convicted you and, and you know in your heart that it is wrong. Like for me, I know because for me, I know how deep I was into it and to go back to it would be wrong for me. But if I went to Vegas with Major and Major said, Pastor, why are you going to see your grandchildren? I'm going to hang out here, you know, at the Luxor. Play a little bit. I didn't get to church my tithe. This is just my recreational money. I came out here to have some fun. I ain't going to do nothing crazy. I ain't going to lose no more than this little $100 I got right here. I'm just going to have me some fun. I can't beat Major up and say, Major, well, that's sinful. Now, but if Major know that I still got a problem with that, then he shouldn't do that in front of me. But because I have been delivered from that, I can go to Vegas now, and I, I'm, I, I'm no longer fearful about going to Vegas. I have no desire to gamble again. Even though now that I'm mature, I can say, hey, really? There is nothing in the Bible that clearly say gambling is wrong. So whether I play bingo or whether I go see a concert with that same, or a basketball game with that same $50, some people say it's all recreation. But for me, I know what it did for me, to me, so therefore I won't even go that route anymore. But if someone else, you know, I ain't going to entice you or encourage you to go buy you no scratch off. But if you got one in your pocket, I ain't going to say you're going to hell because I can't prove that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Might made you get a mic because you 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 know some nerve there now. No, but, no. but that's true. Wouldn't you at least say, hey, 
This is what happened to me. I mean, you just, this is an opportunity to tell your testimony. Even though, you know, you love the brother. You, hey, me and you hanging out. And I'm like, Pastor, I'm going in there. I'm good. And are you would you say, wouldn't you say at least, Major, this, this is what happened to me. I got addicted to this, and it could possibly happen to you. Wouldn't you try to discourage me from doing exactly. it? Exactly. Right. But at the same time, I wouldn't beat you up. you say, hey, man, I, I am... I am not that easy to be addicted to something. I got this under control. I've been doing this for years. I go in there with one set amount, $100. And I've been doing this for years, and either I'm going to win with that 100 or I'm going to lose it all and walk out of it. I'm not going to go get another 100 because then now you're right. I'm getting to that addictive behavior. Now, personally, I would try to, like you said, I would try to talk someone out of it because I have been there. Right. But my tone now is different than it was when I first came out of it because my tone was more like I got all this knowledge and now you wrong. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wrong for going, mate. You wrong for right. going in there right. when it was okay when I was doing it. Right, right, got it. But Pastor, I got a question. Go now, ahead. Just so happened if go and you hit do you tithe off of it? Absolutely. So the church ain't gonna turn. They ain't gonna turn down oh, the money. Man. <laughs> oh, if you, okay. if you if you hit the big one, you give God your ten percent. Okay, Lord. All increase. That's what he said. You, you for, of all your increase. Uh-huh. Money is amoral. <laughs> it's what you do with it. So now you're gonna use it for. A good cause. And see, it'd be hard because I know churches that go to Las Vegas for their convention. And in addition, when break comes, they're gambling. 90% of them. Because in their mind, it's a recreation. If they don't have an addictive behavior, we can take any of those things. Alcohol can be another one. Fred, if you want to have a glass of wine with your dinner and you don't get drunk, even though I don't drink nothing, I can't come at you that hard because you're going to tell me, Pastor, all I drink is four ounces every time I eat dinner. I'm good. But for me, knowing that, hey, I've never been a drink, drinker anyway, so that is not going to be no enticement to me to go back to fall in. But if I was coming out of alcoholism, and Fred knew that he would be wrong to invite me over if he knew he was going to drink in front of me. Right. Right. And so you kind of got to weigh everything, where people yes. are, what they've been through, what they still believe against what we know to be true. Right. And truth must be tempered with love. Not condoning sin, but saying that if everybody's not at the same place spiritually, then now my key thing is not to put a stumbling block into somebody's path that's going to make them fall back into something that could lead to sin. Amen. Yes. Yes, um, I have a question. Now, I like Chinese food. And when I walk in the door, first thing you see the bald-headed man that's in there. Now, I don't feel condemned or anything because I'm just there to eat Chinese. But do... I thought, I had a thought, are we supporting that thing? Or, I mean, I'm just there to eat. I, I'm not there to support. I mean, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm not there to worship that bald-headed man, but is it wrong? I mean, I don't know. I, I thought about it. 
Well, if you're mature, in your mind, that bald-headed man just a man. That's the way I saw. Ain't no so, God. Just a, wait, let me let me finish. But now, if you get a conviction about that, no, I don't feel convicted. Then you shouldn't go there. But I'm telling you, God is bigger than the food that you eat. Amen. That's Amen. what He's gonna try to tell them here. He's bigger than the food that you eat. Rice is rice. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And you're gonna pray to your God before you eat that rice. That's it. And that's what I do. I mean, I'm not saying I'm rushing or, or condemn, Girl, but eat I just that food and gone on. Adrian, did I see your hand over here? I'm laughing. But I'm saying, if, if, like you said, Pastor, if you have a conviction, if you have a question, if you go in that restaurant and you, you see the little the Buddha and all that thing and it catches your attention, and, you, and while you're eating, now you're thinking, oh, man, I wonder if they pray to Buddha when they're cooking this rice. And you going all deep <laughs> into it. Well, that's that's your, thing. hold on, that's your conscience telling you Cause some people don't, you go in there, you look at a little Buddha, you get your rice and you go on about your business. But if you go in there and you contemplate and then you want, and then you get to wondering, there's something there that makes, that you may not be there where you wondering, are they sacrificing this food to, to I, you know, you get into thinking, that's your conscience. There's a conviction that goes along with that. And that's with everything. If you're feeling convicted, then it is sin to you. But if there's no conviction there, and you, you don't have a struggle, there's no struggle there, you're not convicted, then it is not sin to you. Amen. And, and, and a good, another good example, because that is out in front of you, right. but some of you go and eat at restaurants where the guys in the kitchen practice witchcraft. <laughs> I mean, you just go in there because it's American made, and then you see them come out of the kitchen, they got pentagrams and how they paint tatted up. You know, that you bless it, then you're gonna be all right. <laughs> you're gonna be all right. But now, if you if you are fearful of witchcraft and you think they can work a spell on you, then probably should you you might as well believe in root workers too. Then, I mean, if you believe somebody can work a root on you, and all of a sudden you're gonna turn to a fish or something, I mean, you just oh, it's crazy. put some dust in your shoes, and then that ain't. <laughs> Now, now, I believe anything that get inside your head can work on you. That's why you got to take captive thoughts, and that's why you got to transform your mind, transform the way you think about things, because if not, you'll put yourself back in bondage and still walk around free, because then now you become fearful of everything. The mercury car that you drive is named after God. The Saturn that you used to drive is named after a God. Pastor, I think there's a difference between conviction and conscience. I think your conscience can bother you about some things, but there's nothing, nothing about that is convict, conviction from the Holy Spirit. It's because of what you have heard, so now you got that in your head and in your conscience that it's wrong to do, but if the Holy Spirit don't convict you, it's just your conscience you. Well, I think, you know, there is a passage in the Bible that says sometimes your conscience can be harder on you than God. So I do believe our conscience can serve as a convicting agent, bring stuff on our heart, put it on our mind, and make us have second thoughts about doing certain things. And when that happens, whether or not you know the word uh, uh, that's in the Bible or not, 
you ought to be sensitive to your spirit. So in that way, you're going to have peace with yourself. But once you get to that level of peace and understanding where you are, don't try to place what you, where you are on everybody else who don't think like that. And that's what the problem, again, here, some of these people say, hey, man, I, my nephew just got married. And I got invited to the wedding. So now you're going to tell me I got to go to the wedding and, 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 and worry about whether or not the cow that they're serving was offered up to the idol? Or can I go to that wedding and just bless it and be through with it? Or if I feel like that, then, hey, maybe I shouldn't go to the wedding and just send them a, a gift. If I'm going to go there and try to make everybody else feel guilty for being there, That's right. okay. then it's best that I don't go. Okay. Pastor. Yes. Earlier you were talking about if you read some of the stories in the Bible and make it in a movie, it's like watching the regular movie. But the, the words say there's nothing new under the sun. So the things in that we're living today is the same thing that was been living in the past before now. Amen. It's, everything has been repeated. And, and, and my point was is that I know some people will, will, will tear down a movie but then come and read an already story in the Bible and don't feel the same way but because they don't have a good, clear understanding. That's right. You know, when David committed adultery, adultery is adultery. That's right. Whether David did it or whether, you know, Bruce Willis did it on TV. That's right. Same storyline, same sin. And so what we got to understand is that that there are certain things that as we grow and mature, that's how you read God's word as you grow and mature because now you can keep those stories in perspective and learn from them because they're written for our learning and, 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 and our edification, our growth. But at the same time, we realize that we don't all grow at the same rate. At the same. Megan is a, Major is a vegan. Straight up. And so Major could come in here and say, man, Pastor, y'all need to stop serving chicken and pork. And, and, he, he could come in here and say, man, I done got a revelation from the Lord that you know it ain't good for you. You need to stop serving all that in the church, in God's house. You shouldn't be serving no chicken back there, no wings, no nothing. Everything needs to be vegan. You shouldn't be even using butter. Milk is out the question. Now, that's major conviction. But would he be right to try to come and put that on y'all? Some of y'all would say, Major, you better go on back. You better, Major, you better. No. You better, you better, Major. I've been eating these eggs all these years, Major. I hear you, I, I hear you Major, but I, I ain't got that same level of conviction, Major. So I, I'm going to bless these eggs, and I'm going to eat them. But Major, when I invite you over for dinner, I'm going to ask you, what can you eat? I'm not going to bite Major over and say, hey, Major, them fresh, fresh eggs, man, right out, right out the chicken coop, man. They fresh, man. You're going to be all right. You can eat one of them. Now I'm putting Major in a position where I'm trying to force him to do something that I shouldn't do because now my love is not coming into play. My will to get him to do what I want him to do is coming into play. So if I'm going to invite him over, I need to say, Major, give me your dietary restriction, man, what you eat. Just tell me what you can have, and I'm going to get what you can eat so that you don't have to come over and feel out of place 
since I invited you to dinner. Lisa, go ahead. I got a question, Pastor. Some churches serve wine as communion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, okay, now, when Jesus turned water to wine, that was the numbering kind. It wasn't real strong, right? That's what we in Church of God in Christ used to say. Because uh, so <laughs> we, we didn't want to believe that Jesus would turn water into real wine. Okay. But when you follow the storyline, the man who was holding the feast, they, they asked him, man, you say the best stuff for last. That's right. And them Jews knew the wine was part of the process in the wedding feast. Because they caught, it was for joy. That's right. It brought the joy. And so I'm not of the mindset that what Jesus did was just straight up grape juice and it had no fermentation to it. I believe them boys got some good wine. Because later on, they called Jesus, hey, look, John the Baptist is like major. He out in the wilderness eating wild oats and honey. And they call him a madman. And here Jesus is over here. He come eating and drinking. And they say he's full of demons. So you, you, you're in trouble either way you go. If you, if you eat like major, somebody's going to be on you. And if you drink a little wine, somebody's going to be on you. So my thing to you is don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. You can get drunk on your on regular cough syrup you can buy off over the counter. You drink too much big Formula 44. Yeah. And so, again, I think that you can see as diverse as the church is today and as people with different backgrounds, different levels of understanding, different levels of knowledge, we all operate a little bit different. But the key thing is we got to clearly define what is sin. We're not, we're not trying to say justify sin. That ain't what this is all about. Because nowhere in this does Paul talk about what they did, what did was being sinful. That's right. He said it would only be bad if you don't show love towards your brother or sister who is weaker Amen. than you are. Amen. He says, now look, Verse 4, I'm going to read that again. It says, so what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, this is where you get saved. We all know that an idol is not really a God, and there is only one God. So in his mind, we who know and have that level of knowledge know that, hey, whatever they offering up to ain't even real. It's a piece of stone, wood, or something is not even real. So therefore, I know that, and because I know that, if I'm by myself, I'm not going to trip out because I'm eating a steak. Because right. in my mind, that God don't exist. And since God created everything, the cow and everything, and he said it was good, then I'm okay. But if in your mind that God exists, then now I got to take that in consideration how I operate around you right. and the level of freedom that I'm at. And you can have this level of conviction on anything, man. Some people in the church don't like playing card games anymore because they was brought up playing cards, cards, cards. And, you know, and they, and they see it now as, hey, when we played cards like that, we was drinking, we was having fun, da, 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 and I just don't want to go back to that. So now they don't like to play card games. 
that's their conviction. And if they say, hey, I don't play card games, I ain't going to try to make them play card games. Because for a long time, I didn't play card games. I still don't play card games. But I was brought up playing cards. That means that was the thing in my granddaddy's house. Man, we played cards all the time. It was just part of the party. And so therefore, when I got saved, I said, okay, I ain't going to play Big Whiz. But right now, if someone was to ask me to say, hey, let's sit down and have a friendly game of Big Whiz, I still know how to play Big Whiz. But I ain't played it in, man, no, at least 30 years, longer than that. But I still know how to play it, still up here. And so some people get fearful about playing spades. Now, they may get that way because if I knew I had a problem with cards and gambling and I still associate those type things with my addiction, then yes, it's best for you to stay away from that. And if I know that, then we ain't going to play no cards around you. We're going to respect you. But at the same time, don't come at people who are not where you are and make them feel guilty as if they're doing something that's sinful that is clearly not defined as sin. And that's what he was trying to get this church to see because if they didn't deal with this, they was going to divide the church. Because later on he's going to say, you know, one of your brothers eat meat and the other one believe he don't eat nothing but vegetables. Not in this chapter, but the chapter is coming. And so which one of them is right? And so, look at this. He says, there are many so-called gods, we've looked at some of them, both in heaven and on earth. And some people actually worship many gods and many laws. In other words, polytheism, meaning the worship of many gods. And that's why they worship the sun, the stars, the moon, the sea, all those things. There are a lot of cultures today still worship many gods. But we believe there's only one true and living God, and everything else don't exist, just neither. Okay? Verse 6, but we know that there's only one God, the Father, who created everything, and we live for him, and there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom God made everything and through whom we have been given life. So therefore, Jesus came so we can have life and have it more abundantly. And because I know that, that means that I don't walk around fearful of being under the influence of some other God that I don't think exists. That's right. and, but if some people still believe in that, then those people would have to we have to take that in consideration when we're dealing with people who are still immature, who still is stuck right there in their mind that, hey, man, I, 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 when I got saved, man, I came out of witchcraft. So I believe there's some power in the pentagram and, and all that. I done been to those type things. And, and, and I done been where they done killed a chicken and all that. Well, now you got to say, wait a minute. It may take you some time to get that out of their head. But you still got to deal with them, but now you don't bring them to nothing that's going to make them have a flashback. Because now you want to protect them with your love. Not your freedom, not the fact that, hey, I can do this. And, and so therefore, that's the big point that I want you to get out of this. Sometimes we have to sacrifice where we are for the benefit of someone who is not in the same place that we are when it comes to spiritual maturity. Amen. 
Especially, now I'm keep going back to it, especially when it's an area that is not clearly defined as sin. He says, however, verse 7, not all believers know this. So he said, hey, that truth that you know, Major, everybody don't know that. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods and their weak conscious, consciences are violated. So he said now because they don't have a strong mind and a strong consciousness of the truth and because they are coming out of that and they really believe that those gods existed, they haven't grown to the point that you are, then you got to take them in consideration as you bring them into the body. Yes, sir. You can't exercise all your freedom that you have when you're around a believer that is not where you are because that's the whole point of saying now you don't put a stumbling block in front of them. Amen. So now I have to take in consideration that this person is here, so we're not going to do anything that's going to cause that person to fall back into something that they haven't grown out of yet. But I do believe as people walk with the Lord and they study the Word and they allow the Spirit of God to minister to them, you can outgrow all those things that are not necessarily sinful, but you can outgrow it so then now you can be around people because there are some church folk that don't have no problem drinking wine all the time. They don't get drunk, but they're just going to drink wine with their meal. So now I can go over to your house and you don't have to restrict your dinner because you invited me. You don't have to hide it. If you invite me to dinner, I know some people say, oh, but you pastor, man, I just don't feel comfortable. That's your conscience getting on That ain't me. Because I'm telling you right now, have your glass of wine. Now, I'm going to look at the bottom, Major, and if you drink all 20 ounces every one time from me, I may have a problem. <laughs> but if you just have a glass of wine with your dinner, champagne, I can't say that's sinful. But if you knew that I was still stuck in that position, right. then you just hide it. Pastor coming over, gotta, just in case you open the refrigerator, you got to take all that stuff out of there. No. Now, 15 years ago, my conversation with you would be a little bit different. Because 15 years ago, I wanted everybody to be like me. I was very dogmatic in my approach to certain things I didn't do anymore. And so I wanted everybody to do that. And I told y'all the story until I went to lunch with some of these young guys who, who didn't care that I was pastor. And right there in front of me, they ordered them some wine. And I almost passed out. Because I had never seen nobody do that in front of me as a pastor. And I knew I had members who drank wine. But whenever we went out, they all played by the rule. But these little young guns came in there. We want a glass of wine. I said, Don't they know Pastor C right here. But now, hey man, as long as you don't get drunk, we're going to be all right. But now, one thing I never rolled on is whenever we have a function, because people used to try to get me to say, hey, we're going to have a function on that church name, then we want to make sure we put some wine on the table, not in the name of striving. So when we go to anniversary out like that, we always have options to put wine on the table. But the answer is no. Because you're not going to get there and get your head bad and say, my church anniversary is the reason for this. No. 
But if you're going there for your own meal, you want a glass of wine, do that. Because I don't want that to be a stumbling block for someone who may not be able to handle a glass of wine. But, but the stumbling block, okay, so but. So but if you went to the restaurant and you said, okay, have wine on it, whether you did that or not, their stumbling block is their stumbling block. If, if you said, okay, I'm not putting this on me, but they still get drunk, then that's still a problem. Yeah, that's sin. If they're going to get drunk, that's, that is sin. But the stumbling block will be for me if I know that you are not able to handle that. And then now I do it in front of you. Then now I am setting you up to stumble over something oh, got that it, got I've it, got it, got it. done. Because you made it all right. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's available. And the church said, okay, it's offered to me if I want this. That's right. Right, got it. So, so we got to make sure that we understand, you know, all of us have a, a different level of consciousness while our spirit convicts us, going back to what Brother Fred said. But what I want you to do is, is make sure sometime when we grow in the Lord, we can be harder on people than we were on ourselves when we were in the same place. Now that we done moved up a, lot, a little bit, when we was there, we didn't want nobody coming at us hard, but now that we have been delivered, now we can be extremely hard on them, and they're doing the same thing that we were doing two years ago. So we got to be mindful of how people grow in their spiritual journey, especially in those areas where we don't always all agree. He says, now look. He says, in verse 8, he says, it is true that we can win God's approval. It, it's true that we can win, can't win, can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we eat it, and we don't gain anything if we, if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do eat. In other words, he's saying, look, a steak is a steak. And God is not sitting there keeping tally saying, Major ate a steak, Bolden there, so Bolden get more points, points than Major. A steak is a steak. If Major don't want to eat meat, <laughs> more power to him. But the brother produced, say, hey, I want a nice steak with my potato. Major got to just be able to deal with it and go ahead and eat his broccoli and potato and whatever else he's going to eat. Or Major shouldn't go to dinner with Brother Perdue, and if Brother Perdue now got to feel guilty about ordering him a steak because he was chew. Man, I really want that steak, man, but Major sitting over there, I know Major. Major's a hard taskmaster, man. Major hard, man. No, Major be wrong. Major should put you at ease. Say, man, look here, you don't have to worry about it. I'm a mature believer now. Because you eat that steak, it ain't gonna make me want to go get me one. That's right. I ain't gonna want to go get one. I'm I'm delivered. I'm I'm truly committed to where God got me at in this stage of my life and in, in this walk. So therefore, you can be at liberty to eat your steak, and I'm gonna eat what I normally eat, and we're gonna still be okay. That's right. Yes, I'm sorry. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, huh? What about in the Bible where it says that you're not supposed to eat shellfish? 
Now, again, that's a good question because that was the Old Testament dietary law that the God gave to the Jews. And a lot of people still practice that today. In some cultures, they don't eat shellfish, shrimp, anything like that. Anything that they call bottom feeders, fish that don't have scales or fins. You know, a lot of us are being in trouble because we eat catfish. I mean, based upon that standard. So in the New Testament, they, they, they did not have the same dietary restriction. Okay. This is the New Testament. In the New, in, in the New Testament. When Paul said, hey, look, because that question come up, it's going to come up later. And he said, whether you eat that or not, all you need to do is bless it. Because everything God created, unless it's some poison, you ain't supposed to eat, it's going to kill you. But you just bless it because everything God created. Now, God put those restrictions on them because they were, again, coming out of bondage and they were coming in contact with a lot of heathen nations. So he wanted to put things on them to make them special to him. And Jews to this day still eat kosher, some of them, not all of them. There are some Jews that that eat a pork chop, you know, but there's some that they won't. That's some, you know, that's why most, comp- most stores now got a kosher section. You go in the comp section, used to be a time we didn't even care about it, but now you can go to a section where everything right. in that section is kosher. Right. They even got kosher deal pickers. They pass the food, yeah. But now get this. Manic Shepherds is made by them boys. Huh? Kosher, kosher is that, that there's food that is prepared in accordance with the Jewish dietary laws. You know, like they drain all the meat, blood out of the meat. Right. Yeah, don't eat nothing with blood in it. There are some Jews, man, if, if blood get on a dish, they throw the dish away. Because they just believe that the blood is the lifeline. And so therefore, those of you who eat blood sausages, yeah, you, you'll be in trouble with them. Especially you from New Orleans and you eat blood sausages and stuff like that. Stuff with blood in it, like, you know, you eat your steak and you just say, hey, I just flip it a couple times. And then when you stick the fork in, the blood squeak. Because it's telling. I mean, some people like they, like they steaks with a little blood. When I was eating meat, I was well done, guy. I, I never could handle the blood stuff. I, I just well done. But, but there's some people eat medium well. And, and so what we understand is that, but there are still, like, safe things, I think, in the Seventh-day Adventist faith, they still kind of eat in accordance with the Old Testament. You know, there are some, there are some faiths that still do that and eat in accordance with that. And that's okay. That's okay. And it's no different than there are some churches that don't believe you ought to have musical instruments in the church. Because there's a, one scripture in the Bible that talks about instruments, and they say, hey, you shouldn't have no instruments. But then the Bible is full of psalms that talk about instruments, symbols and loud sounding cymbals and horns and trumpets. So, but if that's what they believe, and everybody believe that, if I went to that church, I wouldn't try to go there and take my instrument. I'm going to play today. No, man. No, no. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to respect what you believe. And so therefore, that's sometimes what you have to do. Got to be the big person. Because I don't see nothing wrong with a drum set. <laughs> but if you do, then I'm going to do it. There's some churches that what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we're going to see here later, that they don't believe in having fellowships in church. Okay? Because at one of the fellowships, when the time they was having communion, they turned it into a party. And they was acting up. And so he said, hey, y'all shouldn't be doing this under the name of the Lord. So they took that to mean that you should not eat anything in church. And that's okay. 
So they don't have fellowship halls. Like, we, you know, we, we throw down over there. But there's some church that said, no, y'all need to go somewhere else and do that. Because most of the time they went back to their houses and they ate like that. And so I wouldn't say that one is right or wrong as far as because I, I think God is bigger than that. But what I shouldn't do if I'm in their turf, I shouldn't criticize what they're doing if it's not sinful. And likewise, they shouldn't criticize what we're doing if it's not sinful. Amen. Now, Pastor, I want to like, so get, a, get a mic, Major. So I'm, I'm not vegan because I'm Christian. I'm, I'm vegan for health reasons. Yeah. So, so if Fred said, hey, Major, I want to lose 10 pounds, I would tell him, I need to stop eating all that meat. <laughs> oh, you know something similar. Not, not, not yeah, because, not because I'm beating him down because I don't do it. He's asking me, okay, well, why do you, why do you not eat things? Because I consider them now unhealthy for me. Salt, whatever, uh, dairy, all those things. I just consider that unhealthy for me. Now I'm not saying that's unhealthy for you, but if you ask me, well, you know, you know, I'm in the gym. You know, you think, you know, give me, a, give me a plan. Hey. Try stop eating meat for a week. See how it makes you feel. You know, try other things. Try, try a vegetable diet. I mean, it works, but doesn't have anything to do with religion. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's about health. It's not, it's not that, okay, well, if you eat this, you're going to die. No. It's for health. And now some people would say, well, that's extreme. Well, diabetes is extreme, too. I mean, for health purposes is is what I will be telling you. It's not that I'm beating you, beating you down because I don't do it. You know, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, and, 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 and now, you know, I know when, uh, when I stopped eating meat, you know, I'm not a vegan because I, I eat fish, but I remember my doctor telling me, hey man, you know, you, you got to replace that protein some kind of way. Right. You just can't come off protein, right. you gotta have it. Exactly. So he said, hey, I recommend if you're gonna stop eating meat, you need to get you a shaker, you need to get something else to, to balance that out. And so, okay. But at that time, you know, being a straight up vegan was not, you know, right. in vogue. Yeah. Yeah. But now a lot of people are, are, are on that bandwagon and a lot of people are, got strong testimony, just like eating plant-based food now. A lot of people are on that bandwagon say they feel better. I do believe God knows how he created this body, and I think that we know that too much salt is not good for us. Right. And, but some people that done got addicted to it can't go without it. They think that they got to have it. And, and one of the things for me, because I, I was brought up, my granddad loved cooking. I mean, salt was on, the, it was on that. Oh, yes, right. But now, right. I, I learned now is that, hey, when, before you, used to be a time before we even tasted, we was shaking stuff on it. So now, the first thing I do is say, okay, I'm going to eat it first and then see. And most of the time, I don't even need it. That's right. But out of habit, I used to just put it on there just because. So I do believe that, that God is on to something when he talks about our dietary habits. Now, the reason with the shellfish and all the stuff at the bottom of the ocean, those are bottom feeders. They ate dead things. And so therefore, whatever they ate that was dead was in their system. And so there is some, you know, probably some health benefit to that. But, you know, you ain't going to tell too many of these shrimp eaters down here that. I mean, when I gave up, when I gave up, I mean, it's telling you, because shrimp was hard for me to give up. But once I decided I was going to give it up, I gave up shrimp, lobster, all those things. Man, I, used, I had just started to like squid. I didn't even know calamari could be that good, man. But, but then I just said, okay, I'm just going to eat fish. And I ain't going to eat none of the stuff that off the bottom. I'm not going to eat any of that, that stuff. 
And so I made that commitment, and I never looked back at that, but I do eat fish. And so the, those type things, because I wasn't brought up eating shrimp. Like they shrimp, you know, you got shrimp in my house coming up. You really get paid to it. You know, we didn't see no shrimp coming up. You know, mullets and stuff like that was our main course of me. But, but, but once I made a commitment that I was going to eat fish, then when I decided to give up chicken and ribs and all that, that was a, a vow. I tell people all the time, I made a vow to God. I said, God, if you allow this to happen to me, then I will stop eating this. And every time I got ready to eat that, I thought about the vow. Amen. And that's how I got delivered off of that. I mean, almost cold turkey. Cold turkey. And so I do believe that we got to know what is sin and know what is not sin. But at the same time, you got to be governed by your spirit. If the spirit of God convict you of something, you got to respond to that but realize that your conviction may not be sinful to somebody else. Amen. When I was overseas, man, they, they drank wine with every meal. If you go to Italy, German, I mean, man, they, they pride themselves on wine, but, but, but they believe that the value of drinking wine, they have less heart disease than we do in America. And when heart patients are normally told, have a little glass of wine with your dinner. And so it's it just a matter of where you are when it comes to certain things that are not necessarily said. Let me go ahead and finish this up. He said, now look. He says in verse 9, but we must be careful so that, from, that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. So my freedom should not put you in a position that you're going to stumble and fall back into something that is sinful. They ain't talking about just something that's not sinful. They're talking about sinful. Because I got this freedom, I should not flaunt that in front of you. I should be respectful of you. But at the same time, as you grow, you should not put me on a guilt trip because I still have a glass of wine with my dinner. Amen. You know, if that was the case. But I, I, you know, I said I don't drink anything. He said, now, so, so he said, so the, that goes back to what he said earlier about love. If you know and understand love, then you will know that how important God look at it if you're going to cause your brother or your sister to stumble and fall. And there are a lot of things that people are coming out of, and some of them still have an addiction. I remember I had a friend that was a that was an alcoholic, and and I because I'd never been an alcoholic, I didn't know what it was all about. But this guy was so sensitive that he could say I could be around someone and I can smell it in their pores. What? I was just standing at that person, I ain't smell nothing. But he said, that person had a drink today. Wow. And man, so that let me know, if I'm with you, Doc, I ain't, I ain't getting no wine today. Because if you see me, and you can smell him, but you're going to see me, then guess what, I got to not drink the glass of wine today. And so that's why it's important to know the people that we're in relationship with, especially when it comes to these area of ministries. He says, so, for if, if others see you, this is the key, with your superior knowledge, eating in a temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered? I talk to the mature person now. So they say, I got to put aside my, my, my uh, freedom for the sake of someone else, even though I can do it. So because of your superior knowledge, a weaker believer 
for whom Christ died will be destroyed. So he's saying, look, Christ died for that weak person just like he died for you. And so therefore, if you cause that weak person to be destroyed by going back into something that they know is going to be harmful to them, then guess what? You're going to have a problem with Jesus. Look at verse 12. He says, and when you sin against another believer by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So I got to be respectful of Brother Anthony. If he tell me he believe that is wrong, then hey, I ain't going to try to convince him that, man, it's okay for you to watch that. If you think it's wrong, then guess what? We're going to be on the history channel. Last verse, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, this is what Paul's, now he went to extreme right here. He, he says, if I know that what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. That's, wow. That's a serious conviction to you. I, love is just that powerful that if I know it by doing this, it's going to cause major to fall, then I won't even do it again. Everybody ain't what Paul was. Now, this is, this is Paul. This is not just the average Christian writer here. This is Paul. So everybody's not there. But this point is well made that sometimes you have to sacrifice your freedom for someone else's because they're weaker than you. Amen. Don't let your pride cause you to do things that you know you can do that may hinder someone else and may cause someone else to fall. And the last thing he says, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. So that's where we get the thought, don't put a stumbling block in front of somebody Amen. that is trying to run a race. Don't put something in front of them that's going to cause them to fall. And that's why it's important for us to have a relationship with one another so we know these things about each other. And then we know, hey, I'm going to respect Major, Major going to respect me, but we're not going to get in an organ fight over whether or not we ought to have wine or not. And I think someone answered the question about real wine. Yes, when I went to the service on, on base and the Protestant service, I was brought up, we didn't use nothing but grape juice. That's all we ever used for, right. for, for communion. I, I never thought you could use wine because all I ever saw was grape juice until I came in the military, went to a Protestant service, and I was so naive. I said, well, what's the little white ones in the middle? I, I recognize the gray ones on the outside, the great ones on the outside, but what's the little clear one in the middle there? They say, oh, that's the real wine. I said, y'all sell real wine here? Man, don't you know that's wrong? Man, they looked at me like I was crazy. Them dudes came and got that real wine and went on there. Man, look here. You ain't finna stop us. We gonna drink. Okay, but I did what I do. I got my grape juice and took communion. They had their real wine, took communion, and we all was representing the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But because I had never seen that before, it caught me by surprise. And so what I'm trying to tell you, there are some things that we are brought up in, in our tradition, in our culture, that may not necessarily be sinful, but because we've never seen it done another way before, we think it's bad. Amen. The first time I went to communion without taking crackers, I mean, back then, you know, the deacons go back there and beat up some crackers. It wasn't none of these little wafers that y'all got now. They go back there with some real saltine crackers and beat them up. That's what they did. I mean, that's how they, 
That's what communion was. But now, the first time I experienced something different than that was when I went to Germany, and they took communion by pinching off a real loaf of bread. Everybody had to come by and pinch off that same loaf of bread. I said, man, I ain't finna do that. I don't know what them folks hand been. Well, then, I, then, then the spirit came back to me and said, you don't know what them deacons did with them crackers back there. You don't know if the glass they broke it up with was clean or not. You, you ain't, but all of a sudden now you, I, but because I hadn't seen that before, I was stuck in one method of doing something and there are different methods to do the same thing. And so I tell people, don't get caught up in the method that people use as long as they're honoring Jesus, you know. Look at it from that standpoint and not that crackers is better than a loaf of bread. Because in reality, Jesus probably didn't have no crackers. Probably had some flat bread. Amen. All right, any questions, any comments, any questions, any comments? Okay, pretty interesting class tonight. I hope you got something out of it. Again, go back and read that again, do a little deeper dive into it. And, it, you know, it's going to get better and better because, again, I keep reiterating to you, this was a very, very wealthy church, but it was a very worldly church. And the people were coming to the Lord from all walks of life, just like today people come to the Lord all walks of life, and it takes some time for them to outgrow some of the things that they bring into the church. The problem is sometimes today in the church, in order to accommodate everybody's walk of life, the church now dumb down the Bible and stay away from tough topics. When you still got to present the truth of God's word, regardless. The truth is the truth, and you stand on that. But how you do it, the methods that you use, can vary from place to place. Amen? Amen. All right, then. Well, let me give you some announcements before we get ready to get out of here.